are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock back again on this Friday episode. We've got the final injury reports for the Week 8 matchup at Levi's Stadium between the 6-0 49ers and the 4-2 and Panthers. We'll hear some of the best audio of the week. We've got audio from the newest 49er in Emmanuel Sanders. Kyle Shanahan talking a little bit about Emmanuel Sanders. And Eric Reed, former 49er. Uh, feeling like maybe he was burned a little bit as he left San Francisco. And of course, a Friday podcast staple, the five keys to victory this week. You can follow along with this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail, or just head to LockedOn49ers.com. Find all the pods there, find where to subscribe, and other articles and information on this daily program. And I got to start by letting you guys know about our partnership with Breaking Tea. If you go to breakingtea.com slash locked on, some brand new, officially licensed by George Kittle t-shirts, National Tight End Day and The People's Tight End, two different designs. They're fantastic designs and officially licensed by George Kittle himself. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. We shall begin with the newest 49er wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders. He will be wearing number 17 this week, and I got a feeling he's going to be on the field a lot, if not just the flat-out starter, potentially playing uh, just about every snap for the 49ers in his first week of action. Part of the reason why he can jump in so quickly is his familiarity with the playbook. It's similar because Rich was was a quarterback's coach here last year. Um, so uh, I say uh, about 90% of it is like similar. Obviously, there's 10% that the terminology is different, and um, and I got to get, you know, adjusted to that. So I'm looking forward to it. He mentions Rich there. That's Rich Scangarello, the former quarterback's coach for the 49ers last year, now offensive coordinator in Denver, which is going to really help that transition. I think at least the slot, you know, that Trent Taylor role that we saw Early on with Jimmy Garoppolo and saw them move the chains so well, I think that's going to be a third down option for the 49ers with still Kyle Juszczyk out. So going three wide a little bit more, utilizing him out of the slot. He was in the slot a lot for Denver, but moved around a lot as well. And so you can use him inside, outside. They can really, uh, they can use Sanders however they want. The key is which side do they like him on? Do they want him playing X? Do they want him playing Z? Is he going to get a starting role at all? Or will he just play a, a, a like slot? strictly roll maybe in week one I have a feeling he's going to be outside in two wide receiver sets is it going to be Debo out there with him is it going to be Dante Pettis out there with him or is it going to be Marquise Goodwin out there with him if Sanders as I suspect is indeed basically just the starter from day one and how about going from a team that is spinning its wheels two and five on the season to an unbeaten 6-0 San Francisco 49ers yeah, you know, it, it, it feels good. You know, obviously, I got a lot of love for the Broncos. Um, you know, uh, I spent six years there, won a Super Bowl there. Um, 
And, you know, I, I love that organization. But, you know, to be a 49er, it's like new energy and new environment. It reminds me when I left the Steelers and went to the Broncos. You know, I needed a, I needed a change of scenery. And, um, you know, it feels good to have a change of scenery. And um, what a great locker room that, you know, the 49ers have here. And, like I said, I'm just trying to come and bring even more positive energy and um, bring, you know, another spark to this offense. Sanders talked a little bit more about jumping in with the 49ers offense and specifically building chemistry with his new quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, and how it's different with different quarterbacks. Or is it? I think it's the same. I just got to do my job right, and he has to do his job. And, um, you know, you don't you, – you, I feel like people sometimes put a lot of emphasis on, you know, chemistry. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, if it's an 18-yard comeback and I get 18 and I come back down my stem and he's throwing the ball where the ball is supposed to be, I think that it's just supposed to naturally happen. And it shouldn't take too long uh, for it to happen. So, you know, I, I, you know I've been talking to Jimmy and, um, you know, based off the system with, with Kyle, I just I feel like, you know, we can if we work at it, we can be successful in the system together. One of the things that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had talked about when they traded for Emmanuel Sanders was the way he works, the way he prepares, uh, the way he gets ready to play. And I think that's a testament to his return from Achilles injury. He ruptured his Achilles in December of last year and was ready to go and has been rolling and looked pretty much like the same guy so far in 2019 athletically, which is a pretty remarkable recovery. Sanders talks about how he was able to come back so fast. Uh, I think the Achilles, I think it was just um, me keeping a positive mindset and um, telling myself that every single day that I go to work, man, make sure that I give 100%, maximize the, the time, maximize the hours, maximize the minute of every second that I'm in there. And um, even when I get home, make sure that I'm sleeping well and I'm not drinking alcohol and I'm doing all the right things so that I could come back. And so uh, I dedicated myself in doing that and I was able to come back a lot faster than people expected. Is that kind of attitude that's made Sanders one of the better wide receivers in the NFL for now 10 years of his career uh, he's had some really great seasons. He was on pace for a 1,000-yard season last year before the Achilles injury and has come back and looked very good to start this season. And that hard work is why he's such a good route runner and why I think Shanahan wanted to bring in a veteran like him who he could trust in the offense, who Jimmy Garoppolo could trust to be where he needed to be when they needed it. One more quick clip from Sanders talking about his exit and more specifically one of the issues that John Elway, the Broncos GM, had talked about that there was some sort of an issue near the Tennessee game where they all realized it was time for Sanders to potentially move on to another team. Yeah, I think after the Tennessee after the Tennessee game, um, you know, um, me and John had a conversation in in terms of the direction um, that I wanted to go, um, and me expressing that, um, you know, he um, he listened. And in and, and dealing with that, hearing the trade rumors, I think that uh, we both decided that it was best for me um, to go. And, you know, I only got two more years left or three more years left of playing football. And I'm trying to win a championship. And obviously they got a young locker room over there. And so um, we both made the decision that, you know, if a trade comes about um, that, you know, he would he would keep me posted and possibly trade me. That's your newest 49er, Emmanuel Sanders, and the team expects him to make a big impact or they wouldn't have given up a third-round pick for a guy who might only be here half a season. 
Coming up, more audio. We've got Kyle Shanahan and his thoughts on Emmanuel Sanders. Eric Reed, a little bit salty in his return to San Francisco. And the final injury report, and of course, the keys to victory. This podcast is brought to you in part by MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Bet with the best at MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag today. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate a special offer. Kyle Shanahan took the podium pre-week eight post-Emmanuel Sanders trade. Talked about a number of things, but first of all, just about how pumped he was to get Emmanuel Sanders finally, as he'd been after him for a while. Um, I mean, John's working the phones for the last few days, seeing if anything could come up, and uh, I think he closed it out probably 20 minutes before you guys found out, so didn't wasn't sure if it was going to happen or not, and definitely was pumped it did. I mean, Emmanuel's been a guy I know I've personally wanted since probably like the last eight years, since he became a free agent in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, huge fan of him coming out of the draft and everything he's done since. Um, but, you know, we were looking into all possibilities. We didn't know if anyone would go through. I know I answered that question the other day, and I meant it. Um, have felt less urgency than we have in the years past. I feel good about our group. Um, but we do have a better team right now, and uh, we were able to make it better yesterday, and pumped he's here. And now that you've got Emmanuel Sanders in the building, where's he going to play? Yeah, no, I mean, he's got the ability to do all three of them. Um, so wherever we fit him in, you know, we got a kind of an idea, but um, we'll settle that on Sunday. But um, regardless, whether we, wherever we lock him in, what position, he's a guy who could play outside, could play inside, could play to the tight end, could play on the open edge. So um, he can do it all. The secret will be out probably early Sunday when that game kicks off. But right now, Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to let his opponents know exactly how he's going to use his new weapon on offense. Obviously, there are some risks bringing in an older player. He's 32 years old, been in the league for 10 years, has been nicked up, had a pretty major Achilles injury. Achilles injuries are always major for NFL players, which he came back from quickly. A little bit of a knee issue a few weeks ago, and he could walk after this season as a free agent to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, it always gives you pause when it comes to draft picks and everything. Um but we feel he's a guy who can come in and help us a lot this year, and we'll see where it goes from after that. Um, you know, we, we're very well aware that he's um, he'll be a free agent at the end of this year, and we'll see how this year goes, and um, hopefully we'll be able to keep him here. But um, risks always go into that, um, but you can get guys hurt on your roster and be out of luck, you know, when you only have, you know, seven more days or whatever it is to decide that, and then you got to go through the rest of the half year without it. You know, we, I remember us making a decision that first year not to do it, um, we missed on we didn't miss on one. We decided not to go through with it, and then the next day we um, something came up with Pierre's neck, and he had to go on IR basically the next day. And then you had to go eight weeks without a guy. Um, you know that's just kind of what's tough with the rules. So you kind of got to make those um, calculated risks before it shows. You know I know Emmanuel. You know giving up a third round pick. You know hopefully that fourth round pick won't be much different um, between Denver and us on what that fifth round pick is. But um, with that being said, we felt good about it because we know the type of player we got and we know how much he can help us. I talked about earlier in the week after this trade was made thinking, oh, you know what? I wonder if Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd might not be that close to getting back and potentially not coming back at all from injured reserve. And maybe that gave the 49ers a little bit more motivation to get a deal done to bring a player like Sanders in, knowing that that stuff was at best still up in the air and potentially not getting, you know, a, a little bit of extra help there at wide receiver and really being a slam dunk to go make a move and trade for a guy instead of waiting around to see what was going to happen there with Taylor and Hurd. 
You know, they, they both had chances to come um, back earlier. Um, you know, both of them have had setbacks, um, which had to start a couple things over. So um, we haven't ruled them out. Um, but, you know, I'm still hoping for it. But it's not something we can for sure count on. Okay, turning the page a little bit to the 49ers opponent this week, the Carolina Panthers. And there's one guy that stands out on that roster that, you know, has had at times this season an MVP caliber impact especially when you lose your starting quarterback and a guy who's a former MVP in Cam Newton, and now they're 4-0 without that guy. A lot of that has come on the shoulders of Christian McCaffrey, and he's played well, and he's dynamic as a runner, dynamic as a passer, and he's a guy that you know Kyle Shanahan admires. You know, anyone, I mean, he's a special player. I mean, he can do about everything. He reminds me of Marshall Falk. Um, He can beat you in the pass game. He can beat you in the run game. Um, They're doing a great job on how to use him because they're using him as much as possible. And Christian is not many players you can do that with, but he has the ability to do it. You can tell he's a very smart player, extremely talented, and um, that's why he's being mentioned um, some of the best in the league this year. Marshall Falk, that's a lofty comparison there. Uh, One more clip I have. This is from Eric Reed. And Reed, the former 49er draft pick, first rounder, uh, says he doesn't forget how he left. And uh, feeling like a little bit of a revenge game, I think, for Eric Reed coming back. By the way, Dante Jackson, a revenge game for him maybe too. The guy who lost to Marquise Goodwin in the 40 yards of gold final. So maybe a little bit of extra juice for that defensive backfield of the Panthers going against the 49ers and Dante Jackson, but especially Eric Reed. I remember they changed my position in my contract year. I remember they released Navarro Bowman, who led the NFL in tackles the year before, and asked me to play his position. Um, so that'll be on my mind when I get there. Are you bitter? Bitter? Um, I wouldn't call it bitter. I just don't forget. I don't know. It did sound a little bitter to me there. Uh, I don't know if he should feel super strongly about that. I mean, if you look at who Eric Reed was, especially at the end with the 49ers, he was a 230-pound safety. The 49ers just drafted a guy to play linebacker who just admitted this week that he's 228 pounds in Dre Greenlaw. So 6'1", 228, that's about what Eric Reed was running out there when the 49ers and this same regime, who obviously wanted to get faster and lighter at linebacker, wanted to try him at linebacker and wanted to keep Tart, who's the starter and played well at strong safety. So I don't think that the 49ers were wrong or disrespected Eric Reed for that. I think Eric Reed might have more of a gripe about the rest of the league who didn't want to sign him as a free agent. And I don't think it was because the 49ers wanted to try him at linebacker to get him on the field rather than benching him in favor of Jaquaski Tart. And when it comes to Navarro Bowman, he almost sounds like Bowman didn't deserve what he got, but Bowman kind of wanted out and You saw how quickly Bowman's career ended, too. So I don't think the 49ers were really wrong with those personnel decisions. And maybe just Eric Reed, this is a situation where an NFL player wants to find a little extra and use something to be a chip on his shoulder coming back to play against his former team. And we've seen Richard Sherman manufacture chips on his shoulder, right? So I think you can understand how uh, an NFL player would go through that mentally and try to get amped up about something. But I don't know that... Eric Reed has a super huge gripe against the 49ers versus any of the other teams in the NFL beside the Panthers, who finally did sign him. And it was, I think, not a good look that he wasn't signed so long into uh, that season as a free agent. I, I think he went into the season still unsigned in 
2018, and uh, obviously Eric Reed deserved to be on an NFL roster, and then finally he was and has played, you know, well for the Panthers. But I don't think the 49ers made the wrong decision personnel-wise with Eric Reed there. Let's check in on that final injury report for the 49ers and the Panthers heading into Sunday. And I think some good news for the 49ers. They're getting just about everybody expected back. And the two guys that were out last week that will play and uh, were participating in practice fully Friday was defensive tackle DJ Jones, which will help clog up the middle there against Christian McCaffrey. And... Rookie wide receiver Debo Samuel, he was dealing with the groin last week and he was fully participating in practice and he'll be ready to go. Uh, the one that has changed for the better, but looks like he's still not going to play is Joe Staley. He had been limited and practicing this week out since his week two broken fibula. They don't need to rush him back. He's doubtful. I don't know if they'll try to use him as sort of an emergency tackle and suit him up so that that way they could maybe release Sam Young instead of one of their other players like Jordan Matthews because they still have to make a roster move before Sunday because they have an exemption while Kyle Nelson, the long snapper, uh, he comes off of suspension. He gets to practice this week without counting towards the roster, but they got rid of Sanborn, their third long snapper of the season already this week to bring in Sanders, but they will officially have to add Kyle Nelson, their fourth long snapper this year to the roster and hopefully last long snapper uh, for Robbie Gold's sake. Uh, to the roster, so one player will have to leave and uh, probably will be Jordan Matthews because it looks like Joe Staley is doubtful for this week. And the only three players who are out are Kyle Juszczyk at fullback, Mike McGlinchey, the right tackle, and cornerback Akella Witherspoon. On the Panthers' side of things, it will be Kyle Allen getting the start again at quarterback. Cam Newton is still out. Christian Miller, the edge rusher, is out and Offensive tackle Greg Little out. The one name that I think I'm glad and I think for 49ers fans it's fun to watch is rookie edge player Brian Burns. So we'll get to see Bosa versus Burns, who were my two top-rated edge players in this draft class. And Burns has had a fantastic rookie season. He's sort of a hybrid linebacker, defensive end, speed off the edge. He was a steal for the Panthers where they got him, and I think pick 17 overall. I thought he was a, a top five to 10 player in this draft. Uh, he had wrist surgery during their week seven bye, but he's already back at practice this week, and it looks like he's ready to go, and he will play. So it'll be fun to watch him, but that's going to be trouble against those young offensive tackles, Justin School and Daniel Brunskill, and he's got speed and length and can get after the quarterback, so uh, potentially could be a problem for the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. It's time to get into the five keys to victory for the 49ers to beat the Panthers Sunday and a couple of interesting stats. This episode is brought to you in part by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to lasting longer in the bedroom. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. As a true football fan, you already know, just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game, and so will also unbeaten Jimmy Garoppolo, I might add. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend, 
They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay, pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come out together on top, the rewards will be huge. The best part is, if you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000 to bet at MyBookie. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On to double your first deposit. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. So 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala getting a lot of pub. He's on all of the hot lists now for potential young up-and-coming coaching candidates. And uh, this week it was NFL.com's Tom Pelissero that talked with numerous league executives and a couple of names kept popping up as hot candidates for head coaching jobs in the upcoming season. One of those was current 49ers defense coordinator Robert Sala. Pelissero had this to say about Sala. He said his jacked-up sideline reactions have gone viral during the 49ers 6-0 start. But there's a lot more to Sala, 40 years old, who has re-envisioned the cover three scheme he learned under Pete Carroll in Seattle and later Gus Bradley in Jacksonville, implementing wide nine principles, split safety defenses, and creative third down looks and blitzes. Sala is charismatic. Players love and believe in him. He'll need to hire the right offensive coordinator, but all the tools are there. So that's what team execs and NFL.com's Tom Pelissero saying about the potential a head coach candidate this offseason in Robert Sala, and I got to imagine he's going to hit that interview circuit pretty hard whenever the 49ers season ends. And the longer the 49ers play, the harder it will be for him to interview and get any of those jobs. And so if the 49ers want to keep Sala, the best thing they can do maybe is go all the way to the Super Bowl. And it's funny, you mentioned the wide nine stuff and the split safety looks and how the defense has changed. And uh, it'd be nice to know and peel back the curtain a little bit and know why those things changed if that was all on Sala or if it was 100% of you know John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan saying look we need to do this and this let's bring in this coach to help us do this better and let's bring in you know Kosirik and let's bring in Joe Woods and it's fair to question whether or not it would even hurt the 49ers that much period to lose Robert Sala and I think it would and I like what I'm seeing from Sala I like exactly what's happening right now and I think it would be best for the 49ers to keep things as is, but maybe you could just elevate Joe Woods to defensive coordinator and maybe there would be no fall off. Or maybe you would go get someone like Dan Quinn, who's run the similar scheme, who Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for, who might get canned in Atlanta. Maybe Vic Fangio's one and done. I know 49ers fans would love to have Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator, although you'd probably have to switch back to that more 3-4 style of defense. So scheme change also not ideal. Best scenario is probably just keep things as is in status quo, but that might not be possible if the 49ers defense continues to wreck shop and Robert Sala, the buzz grows with his career. Speaking of that 49ers defense, some stats real quick before we get to the keys to victory. 49ers are the sixth team since 1990 to hold their opponent to seven points or less and 200 or fewer total net yards of offense in three consecutive games. The other teams, the 1990 Steelers, the 91 Saints, the 2000 Ravens, who won the Super Bowl, the 2000 Titans, and the 2005 Patriots. So some great defenses there. Uh, The 49ers defense leads the league in forcing three and outs. 
50% of opponents' drives have ended in three and outs, most in the NFL ahead of New England at 44% and Buffalo at 40%. Those are the only teams even uh, that are in the 40% range. The 49ers, 50% of opponents' drives ending in three and outs, which is pretty ridiculous. Key to victory, number five for the 49ers to beat the Carolina Panthers, and that is the newest 49er, Emmanuel Sanders. He needs to make an impact in the passing game. You gave up assets for a difference maker, right? So, Emmanuel Sanders, let's see it. Make that difference on the outside. The 49ers, this might be one of those games where you need that Garoppolo arm and you need that passing game to carry you. The the 49ers run game hasn't been as strong the last two weeks. More on that later. And what's the role going to be for Sanders? Shanahan, keeping wraps on how Sanders will be used. Will he just be a package player in his first game with a short week of practice? If he starts, who will be the starter on the other side? And above all, the challenge has been thrown down to Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel and Marquise Goodwin to earn that role on the other side, along with Emmanuel Sanders, who no doubt, once he is incorporated, will be a full-time starter the rest of the way. Key to victory number four, the run game. Where did the 49ers run game go? They were gouging teams, six-plus yards per clip in the first four games. Is this due to those offensive line injuries, the uh, the injury to fullback Kyle Juszczyk, who's a big part of the run game. 49ers use fullback more than anybody and have run the ball more than anybody this year. In the two games without both starting tackles, the Niners averaging 3.5 yards per carry in the mud last week, only 2.4 yards per carry against the Rams in week six. You put those together, they're, they're under three yards per carry in the last two games. No Juszczyk, no Staley, no McGlinchey. The 49ers have done a great job getting by without them, but there is a noticeable difference. Maybe it's in that ground game where we're really seeing it the most. But at the same time, it's a small sample. It's two games, and you kind of have to throw the mud game out because that's just weird. So then it's only one game against the Rams in Week 6 that was a 2.4-yard-per-carry game on the ground for the 49ers. Can they bounce back? Can they run the ball a little bit better this week? That will just help everything on offense, and then you wouldn't have to rely as much Just like all the game scripts have been so far this season, you wouldn't have to rely on the passing game and the newest wide receiver and Emmanuel Sanders being, you know, that guy yet. Key to victory number three, kill Kyle Allen's confidence. You don't have to kill Kyle Allen, just kill his confidence by by hitting him multiple times. 49ers pass rush needs to prove what I already believe they are, and that is the best pass rush in the league. Force the young quarterback into mistakes he has, and looking at statistics, he's, I think he's gotten away with some things so far this season. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, this is a, a nice nugget from Jeff Dini saying that among quarterbacks with 100-plus dropbacks, Kyle Allen currently ranks fourth in the NFL with a passer rating of 106.6. However, his overall grade in the PFF system ranks him 24th. A lot of that is due to the fact that he's fumbled six times in four games. And he's basically fumbling uh, 15% of the time he's under pressure back there. And so the ball has been bouncing the Panthers' way there. Uh, In addition, Oscar Aparicio, who I was on his podcast a couple weeks ago, smart dude, good 49ers guy. I'm sure a lot of people listen to this podcast, listen to his Better Rivals podcast. And uh, I was on his pod, so I think we'll have to have him come and and be on my pod at some point this year, maybe in the offseason season. 
Uh, but Oscar adds to that saying that not only fumbles, but one out of every four passes Kyle Allen has thrown has been uncatchable. That's the third highest percentage with QBs with at least 100 thrown passes. So he is getting away with some inaccuracy, some fumbling issues, and I think this is the week that maybe we see, okay, young quarterback, he hasn't thrown interceptions even though he's been off target and he's had a problem fumbling the ball. This is when the 49ers can really pounce on that and really rally to the football, make him make mistakes, get to the quarterback, force him to turn the ball over, whether it's throwing bad passes, interceptions, or recovering fumbles, and that's going to be a massive key to the win for the 49ers this week. Number two, Christian McCaffrey, homecoming for the Stanford kid. Grew up in the Bay Area with his dad, Ed McCaffrey. He was a 49ers wide receiver, even got babysat by the Shanahans at one point. There have been a few drives where the 49ers wide nine front has given opponents a little bit of space to run the ball. Salah and Kasurik have really solved those issues, usually pretty quick. Uh, sometimes on the fly in the very next series. We've saw, seen that the last two weeks where they would have success, the Rams and the Redskins on drive number one, and then it completely dried up. But McCaffrey's their biggest challenge to date. So that's going to be an interesting one. Can they corral Christian McCaffrey on the ground? And by the way, Christian McCaffrey, future 49er, I'm just going to throw it out there. Shanahan and Lynch have no problem spending on running backs. If Shanahan likes Jarek McKinnon, we already heard him talk about glowingly about Christian McCaffrey, comparing him to Marshall Falk. If you liked Jarek McKinnon as a receiver out of the backfield, you know Shanahan would love to have McCaffrey. He'll be a free agent after next season with a hefty option for 2021, which I'm sure the Panthers would pick up. So after 2021, free agent Christian McCaffrey. Just throwing it out there. Key to victory, number one. And this is also uh, has some Christian McCaffrey to it. And it's Fred Warner and Quan Alexander. Young, dynamic, fast linebackers, high-energy guys. They've been really good, I think, for the 49ers so far this year. The 49ers linebackers have to be dynamic. Maybe their toughest task, again, with Christian McCaffrey, not only against the run, but covering him. So they've got to be stout against the run. They've got to be sound taking on the run and having their gap taken care of, but they've also got to be rangy and in space, get to the sideline on McCaffrey, but more importantly, covering him out of the backfield. Christian McCaffrey may be the best receiver. Him and Saquon Barkley, I think Alvin Kamara would have a little something to say about that as well, but one of the top three receiving running backs and maybe the best in the NFL right now. So the play of linebackers Fred Warner and Quan Alexander, the number one key to victory setting the tone for that 49ers defense, allowing them to get after Kyle Allen on some third down and long distance situations. All right, it's going to be a fun one Sunday. Be back Monday, breaking it all down right here, Locked On 49ers.